2: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Martha's, Andrew's, Mimi's, and anyone else out there watching this show. This show, Take the Black Live, the one, the only uh, show where we did talk about things like uh, uh, swords, dragons, space lasers, and so on. Movies and TV every week on the dot. Subscribe to all our stuff. Listen to us. Thrill to us. And yes, Philip Plus, we are the fellas who talk about that show with all them dragons in it. And are we ever going to talk about that show with all them dragons in it today? We, being myself, Dan Selke, and Daniel Roman. Uh, Daniel Roman, what are we talking about today?
3: Uh, well, you know, we've got to talk about House of the Dragon, right, uh, we always try to be on top of discussing the filming leaks and stuff like that that's coming out of the set. And uh, there are some really exciting ones that came out in the past couple of days. House of the Dragon, things are buzzing with activity on the House of the Dragon sets. So we have some images courtesy of Unbox PhD, who is doing... The Lord's work out there and sneaking through the bushes and taking lots of pictures., uh, so yeah, Literally. Dan, what are we looking at? What are we getting into here today?
2: Okay, first of all, you are right about um unboxed PhD. These photos look like they were taken by people hiding Amazing. in the woods with cameras shooting as mounted extras ride by on their armored horses. It's amazing. I love this fandom. They are dedicated. They're filming stuff in Surrey, which we learned yesterday is a real place and not just a fake place. i up map. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. There's been a very big sequence with tons of extras, lots of soldiers, horses, all kinds of rigmarole. And basically what we're looking at is the... Soldiers loyal to King Aegon Targaryen, the one true king of Westeros. We're talking high towers. We're talking, you know, green wearing Targaryens. We're talking Lannisters. We're talking the army who's following Alicent Hightower and Otto Hightower and Aegon Targaryen and Aemon Targaryen. People who are fighting against Rhaenyra, and it looks cool. And again, just man, kudos to the photographers who i think are literally in the grass wearing plant hats so they blend in really really good work there
3: yeah uh so the photographers are doing excellent work and we're getting some confirmation about stuff that we were suspicious mm-hmm. of this season that now it seems a little clearer uh so we are going to be getting into a little bit of fire and blood spoiler territory here mm-hmm. We're gonna, you know, really spoil what happens, but we are gonna be talking about what's probably gonna be one of the big moments of season two. Um, and that's the battle of rooks rest, which is what Work. we believe we're looking at here, and what you know, oh. the word on the ground is that's what this filming is Gotta is be. Rooks Rest. Uh, so that is a big battle that happens early in the Dance of the Dragons, involving multiple armies, multiple dragons, and we had kind of speculated last week that it might happen in episode four, because okay. Alan Taylor is the director of episode four, and he was kind of the big name director that was announced to be replacing Miguel Sapochnik, like, spiritually, a little bit in this show as the someone they were bringing in when Sapochnik left. Uh, Taylor, you know, obviously was a director in Game of Thrones. I believe he did Baylor and a couple of other big episodes uh, huh. for the original Thrones, and We have a picture uh, of him on sets here filming this Rook's Rest sequence, which means it's likely that this is going to happen in episode four, because we know Taylor is directing episodes one and four, and there's stuff that's got to happen before Rook's Rest. Uh, So yeah, episode four, we're we're looking at a big battle halfway through the season. Um, What do you think, Dan? Does that feel about right to have this come halfway through the arc of season two? It does. Yeah. We
2: know what's coming up because we've read Fire and Blood. We know there's going to be the blood and cheese scene that'll be probably early on, episode 1 or 2. We know that one of the first big battles episode is Brook's Rest. It's basically a battle where and we'll see shortly who's involved in this, where Aegon, Team Agen, the Greens, I'm not sure what to call them honestly, like I don't know a real name. The High Towers, Alicent's Angels, I don't know, there isn't really an, like a name yet, the Greens, uh lay a trap for the Blacks. At Rook's Rest, which which is a place in the Crownlands near King's Landing. I don't recall exactly the specifics, but I think it's like a lord who's loyal to Rhaenyra is having his home assaulted by the greens. And then Rhaenyra goes to help them or send some of her people to help them. But the greens, those sneaky snakes in the grass, have laid a trap for them. Some dragons fight in the sky, and uh, it's pretty intense. There's some death and destruction, and um, (laughs) it should be a pretty... It'll be one to remember if they pull it off correctly. And really, it's their first big battle scene they're going to have on the show, because as fun as that crab Damon versus literally everyone who works for the crab feeder fight was in season one, I'm not going to count that as a proper battle scene. That was a dry run to like see what they could do, but it was sort of deeply silly that one man was fighting all these people. Uh, This will be higher stakes. And I'm looking forward to it. And we have some pictures of some folk who are on the scene. We got Fabian Frankel as Kristen Cole, again, seen from I agree with Philip Plus that probably people in full plant camo are taking photos of this very uh, surreptitiously. Or does surreptitious mean noticeable? Whatever the one means uh, where you're in, in, in camouflage. I think it means hidden. Uh, we all And kind of uh, Kristen Cole's the one who plots this and lays the trap. So he'll be... Um, involved in this battle in a big way. He's using his brain, using his brain and, and his sword because he can't do what he really wants to do, which is marry Rhaenyra and have lots of babies run away together. Uh, we also see, I believe it was Freddie Fox, I want to say, as Gawain Hightower. Uh, who's Allison's older brother. So he'll get involved. We got more Hightowers coming our way. You thought Otto and Allison were the only ones? No, there's a whole family of these these Jagoffs. I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there's some nice ones. And uh, he's one of them. And we also have Eddie Earr, who appeared in Game of Thrones in a flashback as Sir Gerald Hightower, but that still happened like many, many, many decades after this. So he's he's playing someone else, repurposing... Uh, the way that, um, Jefferson Hall played a role in Game of Thrones, and now he's twin Lannister brothers, um, Tyland and Jason. Eddie Ear plays somebody. We don't know who, but they're all here. The Greens are here. The Greens are hatching a plot, and I, for one, won't stand for it. Daniel, what do they need to do to do a good job with mounting the battle at Rook's Rest in House of Dragons?
3: Um, Well, I think they need to hopefully keep an eye. So I'm glad that you said you weren't counting Damon's battle with the crab feeder as like the first real battle, because that was like it was kind of it was fun. It was entertaining. But in terms of like staging a battle, it wasn't really that in the way that something like the Battle of the Bastards or Hardhome or the Watchers on the Wall was yeah Uh, there's a lot of coordination that goes into a sequence like that that i don't know that we really got in the crab feeder battle so i think with rook's rest they need that they need there to be some semblance of discernible strategy coming through on screen uh which you know this photo it's kind of far off and a little blurry but i think we get a little bit of a, a feel for that because we can see they have some uh, you know, erected, like, log, uh, palisade, kind of spikes uh, separating armies. Uh, one side is, you know, using the tree line. So I think they need to pay a little more attention to those sorts of details in Rook's Rest. But also, uh, it's great to see characters like Kristen Cole there mm-hmm. and high Hightower there. I think they also need to have a really good character element to this fight because it is going to involve a lot of... And really important characters and dragons so i think it's going to be tricky for them to strike that balance but this feels like the perfect proving ground for it where it could be a huge moment so yeah i i think those are some things they need to pay attention to here that maybe you know damon was all character so i think they need to strike (laughs) that balance a little bit better with rooks rest but what about you dan and what about you guys listening like what do what do you think they need to get right with this fight
2: yeah call in i agree i agree they need to establish like where people are in space because there's a lot of players it's not just one side versus one side in the ground it's armies on the ground it's like people attacking yes. a structure and then it's dragons in the sky fighting each other so alan taylor has his work cut out for him in terms of establishing where folk are in space he also directed that beyond the wall episode where the night king just um became an olympic level javelin thrower and just stabbed a dragon out of the air so i'm hoping things are a little more realistic than that but uh we'll see when it comes and by the way philip plus yeah uh philip plus who, who whose thoughts you can hear for a low price of 9.99 a month, um, <laughs> has a great thought about uh with Rook's rest being in the first half of season two. Any clue what the big moment of the second half could be? The filming is almost up, but it seems like the gullet is s three. Philip, I think the gullet will be the the end of season two because we've seen a lot of stuff on ships. I'm not sure that we'll see them because remember they have filming to go, and also I don't think they would have filmed like you know like taken some boats on the water and done it that way. I'm going to guess a lot of a sea battle will be in front of a green screen or the volume, whatever they're doing inside on little ships, on little sets. And we have seen a bunch of ships. I think that'll be the end. And I think we'll have the dragon seeds in the back half of the season. There'll be tons of stuff. They don't don't like for content. Claire Kildner said that the season is jam-packed. They had to cut things down to an hour. They had trouble doing that. And I think they're telling the truth. There's so much to get to. That's the beauty of that book just kind of said, and then a giant battle happened and you get to spin that however you want. It can be some, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. And I have faith. It's going to be a beautiful. Also, some folks, uh, again, praise to uh, Unbox PhD, all of them getting these pictures. Some folks say they want to use drones. I, I think drones are involved in some of these, but it really does look like they're hiding in the damn grass, like Solid Snake and just taking these. Whatever they're doing, I appreciate it, and I uh, I shouldn't underestimate their ingenuity. Anything else on House of the Dragon? And what are we talking about next, Daniel?
3: Yeah, uh, well, first, the drone thing. The he, Unbox PhD is definitely using one, but I don't think they're only using mm. one, because we saw some pictures of, like, Amond from above. And I, I did yeah. watch Unbox PhD's video of that, and it is clearly a drone going over the set. But for these, you know, these forest shots, that I really don't know. So I'm going to go with the solid snake mental imagery, too, because that's just more fun. Uh, so I, I hope that's what's happening in terms what? of what? In the comments,
2: is unboxed PhD commenting on our stream I do it all in the open, they say. No need to hide in a public area. The law degree comes in handy. He is a lawyer. I read his Twitter. If that's the real Unboxed PhD, um, we salute you because you've been provided with a lot of fun stuff. Please keep it up. God bless.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Salute you. Respect Unboxed PhD. You are doing amazing work. (laughs) It's like a celebrity coming in the comment on the stream. Glad to see you. Glad to see you here in the chat. But yeah, uh, so what I was going to say, uh, just answering that question from Philip Plus uh, about big moments, I am with Dan on this one. I think the gullet is still going to happen this season. The the two moments that I've always thought they might do one or the other as the, the end of season moments are the gullet and Rhaenyra taking King's Landing. Those Maybe. are the two moments I've wondered how they'll fit into the end, and I We'll also back what Dan said about the ship filming. Uh, Game of Thrones was kind of notorious for doing most of its ship filming in studios, as opposed to, I will drop it because I, I can't not drop it, as opposed to a show like Black Sails, which did a lot of practical ship filming. Game of Thrones was pretty much always in a studio. So that means they could already be filming the gullet and we don't and we wouldn't know because it is more remote, more closed off. It's not in a public space uh like Rook's Rest is. Uh but yeah, so those are kind of the the big things that I'm expecting to see. Uh and they've got around a month or so left. I I believe uh House of the Dragon is slated sure. to wrap, I heard in September, which was earlier than I thought, but hey, Maybe they're, they're getting stuff done quicker or they can, you know, they're having to postpone some things until after the strikes, just is- sure, yeah, some reshoots and stuff. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they wrapped a little early and kind of came back to stuff when they can, but that's the, the gist of what's going on there. Uh, I don't have anything else to add on house of the dragon before we move on. How about you, Dan? Any, any last thoughts? Rooks yes. Rest?
2: Unboxed PhD. unbox PhD is coming in our in our damn stream. You know, I always thought I wouldn't be flustered if I met a celebrity if they were like in my presence. I thought like I'd be cool, but I'm freaking out. Like this is very <laughs> impressive. Basically, they said that um they do it all out in the open. That the law degree helps. To which I'm unboxed PhD. If you're listening, are you saying that you talk your way onto set and they allow you? To shoot, because if so, mwah, very <laughs> impressive. um Also, they said that they saw two dragons today. They got two dragons, uh, and that they use the heads obviously, mm. but they shoot the bodies in studio. And I second whoever said, um "Why can't you just shoot the entire dragons?" I mean, they got to be like forty feet tall. How hard could it be to miss? I mean, God, like you can shoot the extras, but you can't actually show us the the dragons walking around. You think that'd be easy? But whatever, you know, no one's perfect. Okay. Now I think we can um uh move on. <laughs> What's our next topic? And yes, thank you on Bunch for PhD in general. And thank you to everyone watching. This is fun. Um man, every back during the Game of Thrones days, yeah. there was always some people who just had that hookup, who like just knew the people or were taking the shots. That this fandom always comes through one way or the other. And I'm glad to see it's continuing with uh, House of the Dragon. Okay, enough fawning. What's next on the agenda, Dan?
3: Yeah. I'll I'll fawn the fandom just for a second. You're totally right. Uh, the, the fandom, and I love this fandom. They definitely are on top of their stuff with, with shooting, with watching out for these sorts of leaks, and with sharing with everybody so we can all be excited together. But yeah, so the <laughs> next thing we're going to talk about, we're going to change gears just a little bit. Uh, we're going to stay in the fantasy wheelhouse, but we're going to talk a little bit about the Wheel of Time Season 2 because it's coming up the the first or the second season of the wheel of time premieres september 1st yeah a a mere two weeks away and they are dropping not one not two but three episodes out of the gate so it's going to be a a pretty large premiere for the wheel of time season two so dan how are you feeling about the wheel of time are you starting to get hyped how about all all of you out there are you going to be watching it uh what are your thoughts here? <laughs> I'll be watching. Um, Yeah, I'm hyped.
2: I liked the first season. I it last, talked about it last week. Um, I like the books. I like the TV show. I'll watch it. I like a good big swing at a fantasy show. I like they're putting a lot of, uh, a lot of money into this. I like they're taking it seriously and trying to give us this story. that has been around for decades and very beloved for decades and like give it a good shot at adapting the entire thing to Scream, which has not been done before, despite how how famous and notable that is. Personally, I don't love the three episode premiere. There are only eight episodes total. And I feel like just spending almost half your season right at the start date is a little cuckoo bananas. Who likes this? Like who is saying this is a good idea? I've I've never understood why you wouldn't want to prolong the buzz around your show for as long as possible and to give the fandom time to kind of percolate in between episodes. Um, And personally, I just kind of like watching it. Daniel, I don't have unlimited time. I'm busy. Um, So I would rather watch one episode at a time and then come back <laughs> to it the next week and do other things in between. But that's just me. Does anybody out there like the whole here's three episodes? There's three one hour episodes at once format. Or would you rather have it one a week? I know what I would rather like, but I don't control Hollywood yet. Give me time.
3: Yeah, I'm definitely in that boat with you. I like one a week. I have theories about why they did three a week I don't think I can talk about that yet uh so I I can say at this point I have seen some of season 2 mm-hmm. because we've been interviewing or we did uh-huh. interview some of the cast back in June so if you're seeing yeah. a lot of before interviews crop up right now uh both on Winter is Coming before the strike back in June so that uh, journalist basically got the okay to share those this week uh so if if you're seeing a lot of wheel of time stuff that's why and i'm really excited for season two and I, I do wish they'd stretch it out more uh i do i like the one a week strategy but also uh you know this is a, a big it, it's nice to see the wheel of time get to come back and uh, not have gotten derailed by the pandemic so much because the first season really to me it was one of the the big fantasy casualties of the Ooh. pandemic because it really messed up their filming so it will tease this because we do have an interview coming uh soon with daniel Henney, who plays lan we do he told me that he thought this season is a more complete season it's more like the kind of show they wanted to put out there um so i i'm really excited to see what kind of the fandom response for the wheel of time season two is it's adapting uh mostly the great hunt which is the second book in the series which is a pretty well-regarded book in the series. It's got, I think, mm-hmm. one of the best endings of any of the books in The Wheel yes, of Time. I agree with that. And yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. So are there any particular things you are looking forward to seeing this season, Dan? Anything you're nervous about? It's the more confidence- I want to be entertained and I want to be
2: delighted and I want to uh, be moved, chilled and thrilled. Um I just want more confidence. I want a well put together season of television. I want <laughs> good episodes. I want good acting, I want good writing. Um I want to be entertained. That's all I always want. And it's it's you know it's not that hard. So I feel like everyone out there should be able to do it and when you don't and I criticize you it's your own fault. So I think that's uh, what my mindset going into the, uh, the Wheel of Time to. do. <laughs> There's also Ahsoka coming up, which you're going to watch as well. We will too. What are you more excited for? Ahsoka or the Wheel of Time?
3: Oh, that's kind of hard. So the Wheel of Time is my obvious answer because I, I love, love the Wheel of Time. And I really <laughs> like I love Star Wars too. But I am I think Star Wars has shot itself in the foot a little bit in the same way Marvel has, where it's just been such a deluge of content. Which I hate calling it content, but when they, Ugh, yeah, it isn't so impersonal. It, it does, it, yeah, and I think Star Wars has. I I feel kind of tired, honestly, with Star Wars and Marvel after several years of it being a near constant thing that one or the other of them is on. So even though Ahsoka feels like it could be. A- big deal it feels like it could be a big deal in the mythos that they're doing this show that they're doing a show about ahsoka tano they're bringing in characters from rebels which i have been watching to get prepped for this i'm on the final season of rebels and that has been great let me just say if you want to prepare for ahsoka clone wars is really the one that introduces her rebels it introduces the rest of the characters who will be around her who we see in the trailer like um Hera, who is the the green-skinned woman played by uh, the actor who played Ramona in Scott Pilgrim. Her name, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So there are a lot of characters from Rebels appearing in Ahsoka. So it feels like it should be a big deal, but I'm more excited for The Wheel of Time. Because it's The Wheel of Time. It's one of the biggest fantasy series ever. And it is getting, you know, adapted and... I, I love the great hunt. We're going to meet the Sean Chan this season. Who So the Sean Chan, for those of you who may not know, they're another culture in this world of the Wheel of Time who basically live on another continent. And we saw them arrive at the end of season one. And they kind of, a little bit of backstory for them. They are from the same continent as the rest of the characters. They left many you know, centuries earlier and are kind of coming back in this expansionist way to reclaim the lands they believe are theirs. And they have kind of a Xerxes, like 300 vibe about them in terms of their costuming in the show. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited for the Wheel of Time. Dan, do you think you're going to watch Ahsoka? Yeah, I will. Um, Like last week we said,
2: I'll watch it all. The Winter King, too. I do love uh, the masks, the Sanchan wear. And uh, I like how uh, much influence Xerxes has exerted on the minds of millennial men, um, even all these years after 300. So good for him. You supernaturally tall, bald headed, <laughs> muscular, invading Persian man. Um, but yeah, good stuff's coming up. And uh, by the way, Philip says the Ahsoka all are all, all, all over the place. I never really, uh, there's a report today about like the episode runtimes being like long, long, shorter. I don't mind that at all. I like that you can have episodes that are as long or short as they need to be right now. Um, I think it's a nice thing, but, uh, to anyone who wishes everything was so long, an hour long or whatever, I'm sorry. Daniel, what are we watching and reading right now? Cause I'm reading something that I think is very exciting and relevant and of interest to the people here and to the world at large.
3: Well, Dan, I, I want to hear you talk about it. So what are you reading? I'm going to bounce it right back at you, and then I'll talk about stuff after, because I think yours is the most pressing, the most important, and the thing people really want to hear about. So what is it? What are you getting into? Thank you, Daniel.
2: Um, Right now, and by the way, tell us what you're reading, watching, whatever. I am reading... A book series that is going to be adapted into a major TV show by none other than Game of Thrones showrunners David Benioff and Dan Weiss, former Hollywood Golden Boys, now accursed pariahs, cursed to live outside society because of how many fans didn't enjoy what they did with the end of Game of Thrones. They are adapting for Netflix The Three Body Problem by Shijin Liu. Did I pronounce that correctly? I have no idea. But this book series, The Three-Body Problem, which is the first book in the series, Remembrance of Earth's Past. Ooh, think about it. I haven't. Um, is a very popular science fiction series. Came out in the like mid-2000s to the early 2010s, I think. And this is the Game of Thrones showrunners' next big push. We've already seen a teaser trailer. It's coming out in January of um, 2024, next year on Netflix. And I finally began reading it to see... Is this, you know, as the very young Gen Z kids say, all that and a bag of chips? Like, is this good enough to be the next big TV sensation? And I'm about like, I sort of read it like a week ago and I'm already uh, a good amount of through. I'm already, like a third through. I'm sure you would have read the whole thing in like a night. But I take a little longer. And I'm here to report, Daniel, the three body problem. Next big sci-fi series from uh, Game of Thrones showrunners, David Bennett, and Dan Weiss. Really good, really cool. I I'm I'm really enjoying this. Um, it is a very heady um sci-fi series that is rooted. I I I feel like some folk use the word sci-fi kind of loosely. Like they call Star Wars sci-fi, or even like Star Trek. But really, like, do you ever need to think about the science of those? Do do you need to think about like, what makes the light speed engine on a Star Destroyer go? Or why reversing the polarity on the enterprise actually works? Like the answer is pretty much no, never. Um, this book is neat because you can tell the guy who wrote it has taken some like 303-level science courses. I think it's a computer scientist before he became an author. And it talks a lot in a way that I found you know, challenging but approachable about quantum physics, nanotech, background cosmic radiation, and in a way that was interesting and also it, it, it's it's situated in a story that is compelling on its own. It's about scientists kind of uncovering this. I'm I'm not done with it, but like this sort of universe-spanning conspiracy. And so far it's been very tense. It's been about kind of building a mood uh, and it does it pretty effectively and I can see it doing well on screen. I can see a talented filmmaker taking some of these moments and adding like, um, like ominous music and kind of directing the eye to sort of the creepy areas where you want it to go and catching the sense of unease that these scientists are feeling as more and more scientists the world over mysteriously commit suicide why daniel and why did we have a long prologue set during the chinese cultural revolution where we meet a young woman who becomes disillusioned and then is hired to work at some kind of secret science laboratory in china can we put the pieces together i bet we can but it's going to take the whole book. It's like a whole season of TV, and I for one am looking forward to seeing how David Benioff Weiss, Hollywood pariahs and Golden Boys, do it. The Three Body Problem. Jin Junlu.
3: Yeah, I, you're getting me hyped. You're getting me hyped for it. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it and that it's uh, so good. I also am excited to hear about uh, you know how it incorporates the science. That is nice to see. And obviously you're right. That sci-fi gets used kind of loosely in book lingo. There are all these little specifications. So like what you're talking about is like hard science fiction is usually what it's called. And that (laughs) means basically science fiction where the science actually matters. Um, I hope one thing that hearing that makes me a little nervous about, I hope they don't dumb it down for TV. Uh, Like we've seen with the Witcher, you know, we got those, awful comments about dumbing it down for Western audiences. And I think Game of Thrones was guilty of that at some times uh, of dumbing down Martin's very intricate plot lines for broader appeal towards the end. Well, like halfway through, I think they started really in season five doing that. I'd say four almost. Yeah,
2: that's fair. The reason Game of Thrones like really caught on as it did was because for a long time and really, there was good stuff throughout. I don't want to be like, I don't want to rehash the Game of Thrones look like to the went on uh, discourse. Like, they, at least yeah. especially in the beginning, they really were faithful and they really tried to get as much complexity as it was possible to get. They didn't get everything uh, from that famously dense book series into that TV show. That that's one of the things that made Game of Thrones so good that they didn't compromise much. Yes. Like, they did the opposite of the Witcher thing where there's this Witcher producer who basically was giving this interview about the show and he said and i'm just going to i'm just going to paraphrase him he 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 didn't put it in these words but what i took was that americans are really dumb dumb stupid and we have to make the story real freaking easy to understand so they don't get too lost also all the kids do is be on the tiktok nowadays so we got to make it really flashy so they don't get distracted and it was just really patronizing. And the show was so lacking in nuance and silly, at least for me. And Penny and Weiss didn't do that with Game of Thrones. And I I don't think they'd be attracted to this material if they didn't want to do, like, really dig into the meat of it. Also, it's not as complex as Game of Thrones. Like, the science is harder, but, like, there aren't nearly as many characters or things going on. So they can take their time and um, dig into the parts that they need to get into.
3: Cool. Yeah, I... I... I agree with you. I think that the complexity of the material is probably something that draws them to it. And like, you know, David Benioff, he he was writing books before he was doing television production himself. So he sure. you know that he can do complex, you know, difficult stories to digest. I, I think he does that really well. So, yeah, I agree. I am hopeful, more hopeful than nervous for three body problem. Like, I, I don't really have a whole lot of like fears they're gonna botch it up i'm like it's amazing that they're making this this is such an ambitious series good for them it is ambitious, yeah. so yeah i i'm excited for that i'm glad to hear you've been enjoying the book i'll have to read that it before it comes out next year
2: again i'm sure you can blast through it in like an afternoon uh some comments quickly before we go on to the next stuff because there's some great stuff people are all as usual you are being fantastic uh philip Philip's funny. Philip plus Americans think, can't think good. The Witcher creator, probably. Uh, Julie has been loving Outlander. Best thing all year. Outlander definitely kind of bounced back. I think this nice. year from the past season of, I don't know, sort of low stakes stuff. Also, from watching Warrior. I'm still loving Warrior. Warrior's about to end. I think it ends tomorrow. Yeah, it was great. I really liked this season. I, I so hope it gets another season because it deserves it. That show on Max Warrior, it's gold. Watch sometime plus also recommended a book on the French Revolution by a Dutch historian named Frank de Koter. I'm sure I, I, I pronounced that wrong, too. That's another cool thing about this book. I don't know anything about the... I said French Revolution, didn't I? I don't know anything about the Cultural Revolution in China. Really, it's like I didn't learn about it in, in school. I haven't really read about it. So it's cool to get a, a perspective on a historical event that I don't really know all about. Uh, we also got some, Oh, uh, Julie says that I'll always love dream of Thrones, Be thankful to have it. Oh, so thankful to have that. I think all of television should be thankful to have that. I loved it. And also before I turn it over to you, Andrew, just to, um, make you happy. I have started to watch the Superman adventure show on max a couple episodes in, and it's really fun. It's, it's, it is a nice, earnest tongue in cheek, anime inspired, uh, series that yeah, it, 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 it can be hard to find a new way to recreate these hundred year old stories, but I think they're doing a good job with it. Speaking of anime, by the way, Dan, are you watching anything in that area recently?
3: Yeah, I am. Great segue. Uh, yeah. Right? So the main thing that I've been to watching me. that that was good. I was like, yeah. Ooh, ooh. yeah. The main thing that I've been watching in the past week is One Piece, not because the, the live action show is coming on, just because. My partner and I felt like putting it on cuz we've heard it's really good and the one piece anime is fantastic. Uh <laughs> this I've been enjoying it so much. We're I want to say like 25 or 26 episodes in cuz they go really kind of like fast. They're only yeah. like 20 minute episodes and yeah, it's such a fun show. Uh this this goofy kid decides he's going to be the king of the pirates and he goes about assembling a crew. And like the heart in this show and the sense of humor, the sense of humor is excellent. Uh, Like the comedic timing and stuff like that. Uh, It's a lot more reminiscent of something like Dragon Ball Z than I expected. I didn't realize that it was going to have as much of that formula with like, has some like this traveling party. Some of the characters are filling similar, similar roles. Like there's the goofy sidekick who's Mm -hmm. even voiced by the same person that does Krillin. There's the, stoic sword fighter who is voiced by the person who voiced piccolo in the american dragon ball z so a lot of very similar things like that um but yeah it it is so so good i'm loving one piece Uh, ironically (laughs) that has made me more nervous for the netflix live action series because this is one of those shows where i'm watching it and i it is on august 31st i believe so the day before wheel of time one piece drops on netflix and this (laughs) is one of those shows where i'm watching it and i'm just like who wanted to make a live action like who thought it was a good idea to make a live action version of this because like without getting too deep into spoilers the main guy of this show luffy who's the guy with the straw hat he is essentially he has the superpower that he stretches like a rubber person Uh so i don't know who i'm just like there are so many ridiculous graphic things in that show it it like it really leans into the the whimsy and the fun of anime in a way that just works perfectly so with anime live at action adaptations I find that the more grounded the anime is, the more likely a live action adaptation is to work like Cowboy Bebop. I like, I know a lot of people didn't like, but I didn't, I don't think any issues it had were because it couldn't get the style of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, Mm -hmm. One piece. I'm really nervous that they're not going to be able to get the style of one piece because it is so specifically cartoony in a way that I'm just like, I don't know about this. But yeah, so that's my rant on One Piece. The anime is so good. The live action show is coming in a few weeks, and it probably won't be good, but we'll find out.
2: Yeah, it, it is coming up soon. I don't want to get too sidetracked into a deep discussion of the history of, of anime and shonen because it, it's it's <laughs> deep and dark and full of horrors. I will say, like Leo earlier brought up the new um what's that dorky movie everyone loved uh, back in the day starring Michael Sarah as the cartoony band guy another they making a cartoon out of it. Scott Pilgrim there you go. Scott Pilgrim. that movie um was an example of a live action piece that kind of felt like a cartoon or a game in, in a way that was kind of convincing. Yeah. So it's not like it's impossible. but um especially for a TV show that doesn't can't really concentrate it like that, I agree it's it's hard. And it does feel like a weird choice for uh an adaptation but netflix loves their animes they already made death note they yeah. made um they made film alchemist they made a few other things and none of color bebop and none of them were particularly successful but you know what keep trying till it works Um uh, we also have oh, yeah. great, some great points uh robert harris asked if you saw demon slayer i have an opinion you know that's a huge one and philip plus was a great comment uh he had no clue daniel that you had long hair why doesn't daniel have a fan blowing his hair in the wind during streams great question and julie that is a great thank question. you said that you guys could be professionals i assume you're referring to us and not only could we we are because <laughs> we're getting paid
3: for this that's true yeah The I, so one thing i'll put on the uh just my my capstone to this anime discussion Because I've been thinking about this, like, why is Netflix doing this? Because you're right, you just listed, like, a half a dozen, and they're all forgettable, none of them (laughs) really took. Well, I mean, it's enough that it's a pattern. Yeah, and, you know, Netflix also has the animes for all of these. They have those rights. So even if they make a really terrible adaptation... It still probably boosts the viewership for the other, you know, the 300 episodes of One Piece that they already have that are anime. That's
2: true. Good point. It's all
3: interconnected. It doesn't really matter if it's good or not. It's a huge marketing boost to the anime shows they already have. Um, So that's my cynical take. Uh, And uh, I will say this real quick because I know we're getting high on time. Speaking of cynicism, I also read this book. Uh, Mm -hmm. cyberpunk 2077, no coincidence by Rafal Kozik. This is the first, uh, official tie-in novel for cyberpunk, uh, 2077. So I needed to mention it. I, for anyone who likes cyberpunk 2077, this is probably worth checking out. It's, it is a video game. Uh, they also made an anime of it, which is on Netflix, which is really, really good. The, the cyberpunk anime edge runners. This book is like a standalone story set in that same world. Uh, It's very bleak. Uh, It's very much like a there are no happy endings in Night City type of story. Uh, I kind of left being like, man, what is the purpose of life and also this story? Uh, (laughs) So a little bit of mixed feelings. But if you are jonesing for more cyberpunk in your life, Uh, You're trying to get hyped for Phantom Liberty, which is the cyberpunk expansion that's coming out later this year. Uh, This might be worth checking out. Came out yesterday, actually.
2: Robert Harris might be into it. Apparently, Robert Harris is a big fan of the cyberpunk animes, loved Edgerunners, and I'm glad you liked it too, Daniel.
3: Yeah, is that show was way, way better than I expected it to be. It really, really exceeded my expectations. Sweet. And by the way,
2: thank you from to Martha and, and uh, Julie saying they look forward to this hour. Um, You know, good good point in the hour to say, um, if you're enjoying what we're doing, uh, feel free to subscribe. Give us a like. Give us a comment. You guys already got that covered. Thank you so much. And uh, Dan, should we move on to the WIC yes. News lightning round where we go over stories we couldn't fit into the main body of the show and give our 20 second takes no more, no less on them?
3: I think we should. I think it is time for us to lightning to prove we are worthy to wield the hammer Mjolnir and talk very quickly about things. I don't know. He's the god of thunder, Dan. I tried to make a joke. It failed. Let me have this moment of shame. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it.
2: I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. there, there. Sorry.
3: (laughs) Okay. 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 All right. So uh, I think... Why don't you ask me this first one? I'd love to. Sorry for shaming you for the joke. I, I didn't mean to act. No, to, I to deserved it. My face it was sad. to look like, okay.
2: It was good. It was a good joke. I and I have a hammer. Oh. I thought you were like okay, never mind. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> uh Daniel, a get a fan. And B, uh the voice of Anakin Skywalker, Hayden Christensen, uh, returns in the latest trailer for Star Wars Ahsoka. He's coming back. Maybe kind of.
3: Yeah. So we've known for a while that Hayden Christensen was going to be an Ahsoka in some capacity. Uh, Disney kind of just said, meh, we'll let people know real quick. And they just put his voice in the trailer. So mm-hmm. it's new dialogue. He's recorded. Seems like it's a flashback from the Clone Wars. Cause it's that type of like Clone Wars era <laughs> advice. He's giving Ahsoka, but <laughs> yeah, Anakin will be back. This is an interesting one. So, there is a lost Doctor Who story called The Underwater Menace that cool. is getting an animated release after being missing for decades.
2: Um, yeah, it's cool. There have been a few of these like old Doctor Who stuff, like old from the 60s that were lost over time because BBC didn't make copies back then. The internet wasn't around, so no one could like archive them. And they found like the audio tracks and are animating them to preserve this piece of TV history. I think that's nice. I think it's really nice. There we go. Nice. All right. Daniel, did you know that Disney Plus, not with Philip Plus, Disney Plus and Hulu are going to raise their prices and crack down on password sharing following in the footsteps of original streaming bad boy Netflix?
3: I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I did hear this, and I think we can pretty safely say these are good examples of why things like Monopolies are bad. Uh, well, because these companies have consolidated, and now there's less competition, and they can just gradually raise prices until we're all paying fifty dollars a month for Disney Plus. Uh, yeah, I loathe it. I hate it. Go away. This is the worst timeline. I don't want cable back, but I, it seems like that's the route we're going.
2: It's not a monopoly because it's like it's like you know you got Disney Plus and Netflix and HMX. Max. It's more like a cartel, <laughs> like all these powerful companies was- <laughs> coming together to 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 jointly screw people over even though they're all technically competitors
3: yeah i was just gonna say oh you mean all of those companies which are in an alliance that is currently causing half their Mm. industry to go on strike yeah cartel is a good word i think all right uh but to talk about a story which got the boot from the cartel but is now getting a second life uh so warrior nun was a a fantasy series that was on netflix it was canceled after i believe two seasons it was then announced that it was being saved and we don't know the deets of how exactly it's being saved but we got a few more this week warrior nun is going to be revived as a movie trilogy and maybe a whole damn cinematic universe of course it will warrior
2: nun i didn't watch it but i understand that it's like this kind of Puffy the Vampire Slayer-esque uh, girl fights demon story. It was very, very, it had a very passionate fan base. When it was canceled by Netflix, they just they 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 bought billboards and they do use hashtags and they lobbied to get it back, and it's coming back. I love that. Good for them. Um as a as a movie trilogy, I don't like the idea of like, we're coming back as a movie and then as a shared universe. Like, come on, it's easy, dude. But it's cool it's coming back. Uh as Philip Plus says, my mom uses my streaming accounts for everything, and I can't afford to pay double on all of them. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Down with the cartel. All right, Daniel. Ooh, okay. How how mysterious. Uh the Witcher producer more or less confirms how the show, The Witcher, will handle recasting frontman Henry Cavill, who plays Gale Trivia, with Liam Hemsworth come season four. How how's he gonna do that?
3: Yeah, so Tomek Beginski, the producer who's doing all of these interviews, dropped a lot of hints about how the, the Witcher has some elements that are very meta in later books, especially book five. He's referenced the Lady of the Lake a few times. And basically, those books do this thing with history and unreliable narrators where they're like, all of the paintings of Ciri and Geralt were lost. We don't actually know what they look like. So the prevailing theory is they're going to lean into that in season four. Work. I Swear anytime that guy opens his mouth now, I'm like, oh, please just wait and check yourself.
2: It might be because it's a translation thing, I don't know, but anyway, go, go, go on.
3: Yeah, it could be that interview I minded the least. I that one had some interesting stuff. Uh, so speaking of interesting stuff, House of the Dragon had three couples <laughs> in AO3's <laughs> top 100 ships.
2: It did, uh, I believe. Uh, so AO3 is the repository for all fanfic online, and fanfic is. Um, not always, but often, stories written by fans for characters who don't smash in the show smash in the fiction. And I think that um, ah. Rhaenyra and Damon were a big ship. Luceris and Amond were a big ship, really. And then of course Alicent Rhaenyra. I know that that's the one that threw me. Um, so good for them having imaginary sex. Maybe in the season two, real sex. We'll see. And, <laughs> and Nicole saying, <laughs> "Not for uh, Luceris." Hey, you never know. It was all a dream, <laughs> says Nicole about uh, the witch, about 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 uh, Liam Hemsworth placing. Uh, Having Cavill? Could happen. Looking forward to it. Daniel, okay. Mm -mm. Wonder Woman 3 reportedly still isn't happening, despite a hopeful update from Gal Gadot. So it's Uh, not happening.
3: It's not. It is not currently in development. Gal Gadot gave a couple of interviews, more than one, where she said she was told by James Gunn, Wonder Woman 3 is still happening, they're still doing Wonder Woman with her, and then multiple outlets, Variety and Collider... Came out with stories the, the same week saying, Wonder Woman 3 is not in development. We have confirmed with multiple sources at uh, Warner Brothers. So so she's a liar. That's what you're saying. You're, you're calling her a liar. I don't think Gal Gadot's a liar. I think people are getting jerked around. I had flashbacks to Henry Cavill and James Gunn admitting, oh, oh he got right. dicked around. And it's like, well, maybe someone should have done something about that, James. But yeah. Not happening as of right now. Gotcha. All right. Let's end with a fun one. An archery expert has confirmed what the fans have known for years, and that is that Rickon Stark, youngest Stark's son, who was shot through the heart with an arrow by Ramsey Bolton at the Battle of the Bastards, Rickon should have zigzagged. Um, well, actually, Daniel,
2: uh, his main takeaway in that video, the archery expert, was that that shot was possible to make. He did say like, he probably should a zigzag, but I I think that was in his like inexpert opinion as like a casual observer as an archery expert. He thought it passed muster. It was more like as a human observer, like you should really, you should really go differently. So, um, I feel like it's an open question. Anyway, um, this has been a really fun episode. Gal good. I don't I don't know how to pronounce Gal Gadot okay Gal Gadot Gal Gadot apparently they say it's Gal Gadot what did he, what did he produce to Richard it is I believe you okay it's Gal Gadot <laughs> some folks say Gal Gadot. some like well-placed people say Gal Gadot like people who should are in the business know better. not just him like I was watching, I was watching <laughs> a YouTube video today where they pronounce it like that and this person like is very high up so it's again it's not my fault nothing to do with my fault anyway um thanks for watching everybody <laughs> We are here um every Wednesday at two pm. Central Standard Time, three pm. on the East Coast, one pm. in the mountains and noon on the west coast. And Julie, depending on where you live in Australia, you know where we're on. but um anywhere from two a m. to six am, I'm sorry. Where do you live exactly, Julie? I can I can narrow this down for next time. And um, you know, please give us a like, give us a comment, give us a subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family. Tell your pets, couldn't hurt. And uh because we want all the 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 fun we can have, which means more people. Uh see you next week. And also download us in podcast format. Uh, you know, uh, Google Play, or podcast are available. Otherwise, we'll see you back here next week on the which is coming to YouTube or Facebook channels. And by the hammer of Molnir, you shall uh be entertained. This podcast is brought to you by Fansided. Join our community
1: of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between.